You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We have an awesome program for you today. Uh, later on, uh, we will be opening up the Get Connected mailbag. We'll uh, take some questions that we've got in from our listeners and viewers and answer them uh, on air. Pretty excited to, to do that. We will uh, also be chatting uh, with our uh, friend uh, from Huawei about uh, potential tech job opportunities and what students uh, that are out on the hunt for jobs uh, should be doing to uh, make their chances a, a little bit uh, better. And uh, John, we're going to check in with you to see uh, how uh, your uh, your beta trip is going. Last week, Apple announced a whole bunch of updates to uh, their, uh, their laptop operating system, iPhones, iPads, and uh, you have actually used this test software now. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how that all went. Yes. It's not all rosy. <laughs> I'm always nervous to try beta software or test software, but uh, you, are, you are very brave. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, at the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I can always revert to a backup. There goes six hours of my life. I won't get back. I know. Everything takes like hours when it comes to re, uh, rebooting computers or, or reinstalling stuff. My... Um, <laughs> I just got back from uh, vacation. I was up in uh, Soyuz in the Okanagan, and I had you know my main computer in the kitchen where I do all my my work. Uh, the keyboard just would not work anymore. The mouse kind of worked, but the keyboard. All the coffee you spilled on it? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> uh, I tried different keyboards. I've got like ten keyboards in my uh, my my closet, my tech closet, and for the life of me, I could not get the damn keyboard to work. And then I started going down that rabbit hole, you know, uninstall the last update, uninstall this update, nothing. And then finally I, I did the big one. I reset the entire PC. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you know how that just takes hours, right? <laughs> and that was just to get a keyboard to work? <laughs> to get the keyboard to work. So I did that. And I'm just like, okay, well, you know, at least it's going to be fresh because it was starting to get bogged down and a little, you know, a little slow. Finally, it gets through the whole process. Keyboard doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at, at this point, John, I am going insane. I, I hate that. I hate when this happens. And I'm Googling everything to see what's going on and nothing. And so I'm just trying everything under the sun to get this damn keyboard to work. And then for no reason at all, it just starts working again. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, Windows 10. And then and then the next day it stopped working again. And I just I have no idea. So now I'm on like a I guess about a 2-day run now of this thing working. And I'm just dreading that moment when the the keyboard will stop working again cuz I just have no idea what's going on. Yeah. It's <laughs> that's when you want to throw your computer out the window and just go get a new one. Well, I I have I have actually an extra computer. Uh, as you can imagine, in my garage, uh, sitting in a box. But I just, I want to make this one work. I, I don't want to have to unbox that one. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we'll hear your story about your <laughs> Mac and how well that, uh, how well, well that went. To be fair, the problem I was having when I was doing my install isn't related to the beta specifically, but it's something that actually I think a lot of Mac users might might encounter. So it's maybe something that might be helpful to everybody too. Okay, we'll have to stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, I think the big news for me this week, John, is Microsoft. 
speaking of Microsoft, uh, <laughs> they are permanently closing all of their retail stores. I don't know if you know everyone's had a chance to go into one of their stores. They're beautiful. They're kind of like an Apple store, but for Windows. And they're nice. There's like all sorts of great stuff that they're showcasing in there. Uh, all the latest uh, laptops and tablets, of course, uh, you know, because they own uh, the the gaming side with Xbox. They've got all sorts of cool things there. Uh, and now they're close. I guess they were going to be closing them anyway, uh, but that's accelerated now because of COVID. Any surprise? Uh, kind of not really. Um, it, it was an, it was a kind of a weird space. Um, they weren't quite sure what kind of store they were. Like they weren't a Best Buy. No. They weren't and a Genius Bar kind of uh, customer service depot kind of a place. They were kind of like selling random windows things i actually really liked them uh when i first got into 3d printing because they were a MakerBot distributor and they actually had 3d printing in their store and you could buy filament for your 3d printer for really low cost cheaper than it was to order it online uh so i used to go to the microsoft stores all the time for that um but yeah it was just kind of strange because uh and we were talking about this off off air um they had so many different lines of products as well it's almost too much versus like an Apple store. It's like all Apple stuff, you know, and then they have like accessories from third parties, but the Microsoft store just had a little bit of everything, uh, desktops, tablets, and things like that from lots of different manufacturers. It was kind of, it was hard to, to know what to navigate. One thing I did like about them though, is you could try a lot of things that you couldn't try anywhere else. They were one of the first places I think at retail where you could actually play with an Oculus Rift, for example. They had all the VR setups and they had a really high power gaming PC there. So you could actually try all this stuff that you wouldn't be able to try unless your buddy had it. So to your point, uh, they weren't really a service center. They weren't really like an Apple Genius bar. Uh, they were kind of just caught in that middle somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and like you said, they were beautiful stores and uh, very spacious. And they did some really fun things too. Like they would host gaming nights, like Friday night competitions and stuff like that, which is, again, it's a great thing to have uh, variety and, and other competition for the Apple stores and similar like that. And, you know, we can't get enough computer stores in the real world. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a bit sad that it's going away, but it's also kind of not surprising too. So they're all gone. So I, I don't think there was a lot in Canada. Was there like eight of them? Uh, I know yeah, there, was, there wasn't a ton. There was, I think there was only two in, in Metro Vancouver. Yeah. Maybe three. And now they're all gone. Okay, some other news, uh, John. Apple, Apple News. <laughs> I know Apple News has been out for a while and I, uh, you know, sometimes I accidentally get into it when I scroll the wrong way uh, on my, or swipe the wrong way on my, my iPhone. Uh, but to New York Times, uh, one of the uh, periodicals that uh, would give them content has pulled out. Yeah, I thought this was quite surprising. Um, but it's one of those things that pe people, I don't, I don't know if people really bought into the whole Apple News Plus thing, the subscription service version of it, versus just the free thing that you can get on your um, on your iPhone, uh, or you can get it via email if you if you activate that feature as well. Um, but you know, it was one of the things that I, I think, like you, I turned on by by accident, uh, or, or I get to by accident, and I clicked a button at some point, and all of a sudden I was getting emails about news stories and push notifications about news stories i didn't mind it wasn't that obnoxious um and I'm, i just, i was trying to find out why the new york times pulled out 
and I, I couldn't find a good reason. Well, we'll be exploring that, uh, I think, in following shows and talking a little bit more about Apple News because I think it's actually a, a good service. We're going to have to take a break when we come back. If you're in the market uh, looking for a job, we're going to have some tips on uh, how to make your, uh, your LinkedIn profile look just a little bit better. Back after this. We're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. I'm pretty excited today because uh, this is the first time that uh, we have been able to get back into our studio to actually record a radio segment. Uh, we are trying to do some social distancing here. I've got John with 12 masks on and hazmat <laughs> suits. And uh, my guest here will introduce her here in a moment as well. Uh, uh, I think we're about six feet apart. But it's, uh, it's interesting being back into uh, an office. So what are we talking about on this segment? I want to talk about jobs in the, uh, the tech field. I know there's a lot of students out there in Canada that are freaking out right now because this is the worst financial crisis to hit us, I would say, since the Great Depression. And they're thinking, what am I going to do for a job? Well, we've got Chris Pereira here today. He's been in the technology industry for many years. Uh, he is uh, actually with Huawei Canada, so he gets tech he is the Senior Director of uh, Public Affairs uh, over there, and I, I want to thank you for coming in. Oh, it's great to be here with you, Mike, and uh, this topic is uh, very, very uh, pertinent for a lot of young people right now, so I'm glad, glad to talk to, to you well, about it. Well, yeah, I know you guys uh, you know, pour you know, literally hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, research here uh, in Canada, and uh, I know you know this space, so well, that, that's why I wanted to have you in. So students are freaked out. I've talked to a number of them and jobs are hard to find right now. So I wanted to get some tips from you on what students can do out in the workforce right now to, I guess, stand out from the, uh, the, the crowd. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. <clears throat> and I've, uh, like you, I've talked to a lot of students uh, recently, um, um, on uh, LinkedIn especially, a lot of young people have uh, reached out, new graduates especially. As you mentioned last month, the, the cohort that just graduated is graduating into the worst economy in living memory in some cases, um, and, and competing with the experienced uh, workers who have also lost their, their jobs in some cases. So um, I think uh, in, in this conversation, I wanted to give some real hands-on advice that uh, after hearing it, you can use it right away in your, in your life to, to help find, find the next job. Let's get right into it. So what is the first tip you have? Yeah, so if, uh, if I were to give one, one piece of advice to young people right now, it would be to get onto LinkedIn, make sure your, your profile looks great. So that advice isn't, uh, isn't surprising. But uh, what, what might be a bit off the beaten track is uh, a, a function on LinkedIn which allows you to ask for a, a reference or a, a recommendation. And that's not just about skill recommendation. It's actually a, a blurb about you that someone can write uh, saying that you're a good human being, basically. So if you just graduated, you've got a cohort of 50, 100, 150 people that you might know. Even if you haven't had, had a drink with them or studied with them, been in a group before, you know of them. If you build that connection, say there's 50 people that you think you can reach out to in the next 24 hours by email or, or phone, um, you, by this time tomorrow, you could have 50 recommendations on your LinkedIn saying you're a good, good person. And that, for me, as a hiring manager in a business department, if I see someone with 50 recommendations, I don't care what, what degree you've got, I'm going to look twice at that, at that profile. It means 50 people somehow like you exactly. and think you're not crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 50 people are saying you're not crazy, so it's, <laughs> it does go to a certain degree. No, I, yeah. you know, it's funny because uh, I think of my LinkedIn page, and you know, I've had my own company, uh, I think now, uh, for 16 years, and previous ones to that as well. So I'm probably not the best at updating it all the time. I don't even think I have 50 recommendations. I don't know if I even have 10. No, exactly. I think the the degree 
matters to a certain degree. It tells it tells me that that person has has uh, persevered for four years uh, at doing something. But yeah. It doesn't tell me much about their personality or uh, what they are what they're doing as a person. But having a human being just say, "Hey, I'm willing to put my reputation on the line to recommend this person," that that uh, in in reality, when you're looking for someone who's trustworthy in a job, uh, apart from the skills side, uh, that's it. Uh, it's very convincing for me. I see that. So yeah, it shows you that somehow this person has interpersonal skills of, of, exactly. of some type. How, how much would you weight that, like if you're looking at a, a job candidate? Yeah, it's an interesting question. A, a student recently asked me also whether they should do a master's degree. Um, in other words, how important is a degree in my, in my view? So first it depends what you want to do, and it's just a, a reality of life that if you want to be a doctor or an engineer, you need to have a degree to have access to that market. But in tech, it's not necessarily the case if you want to program, if you want to do research, um, tech tends to care more about what you can do rather than what your piece of paper is. And uh, I lived in China for 15 years, and I can't tell you how many people I met who have an English degree who can't speak English. (laughs) So the degree tells me basically one thing right off the bat is they've they've dedicated themselves to something for four years, which is something, right? That uh, It's impressive to have done that. Well, it's interesting because uh, some big tech companies, I think even Apple and Google now, used to be a requirement that you'd have to have a university de- degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've dropped that now. Yeah. yeah, and it's not surprising. I think the, um, the degree itself should, should, to some extent, show what you can do. But yeah. uh, uh, as we all know, when we, if you think of the people in your life, there's different gradients of, of skill in different industries, and it matters what you can actually do. And that brings me to the other point of wanting to, when you do have your interview, whether it's on Zoom or in person, it's good to see a human being, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. It's <laughs> but uh, if you're talking to a hiring manager, uh, the communication skills are, are really important. Oh, of course, yeah. And, you know, we're all more connected than, than ever in terms of sending text messages and videos connecting by, by Zoom. But uh, my experience is the, uh, the ability to communicate well, look someone in the eye, be able to have a, a real conversation. That goes a long way in an interview also because at the end of the day, the person hiring you is also a human being. And if you connect and show them that you're trustworthy and you care about the job you want to uh, apply for, then uh, that, that could be the winning combination. What about the introverts out there? You know, they might not be as outgoing or confident as, as, as some. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot. You know, when you're a student, you haven't built up that experience and, and confidence level yeah. yet. Uh, what can you do to... To build that up, yeah. I can tell you. Thinking back to 15 years ago, um, myself, um, if I told myself back then that I would be sitting here in this chair in front of this scary microphone talking to Mike Agarbo, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, believe I would be doing that because uh, I'm, I consider myself a uh, an introverted extrovert. Yeah, or extroverted. Yeah, somewhere in somewhere there. in something like that. Yeah, uh, I I don't speaking doesn't come naturally to me, or it didn't in the past, and I think. Um, um, to, to achieve that, to get to that level, if you're an introvert right now or not comfortable speaking to people, uh, my, my advice would be to trust the process of daily uh, improvement. So you're going to have to push beyond your comfort zone. You don't have to explode your comfort zone and go stand up on stage in front of a thousand people <laughs> or do start a YouTube channel right away. Right? But, yeah. but, uh, but practice with friends and family. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. So spend 20 minutes a day, ask a friend, hey, can I practice some interview questions with you? Yeah. And it might feel like you're wasting your time the first week. It, it's not. It's practice, right? Because yeah. it builds up confidence. Because, you know, you're going to have, hopefully, these friends and family uh, ask questions that you might not have even thought would be asked of you. Yeah, exactly. It's like learning a language. The first week you're going to learn some words and go out and try it and no one understands you and you're going to feel like, oh, well, I just wasted a whole week of trying to learn Spanish or Chinese, whatever it is. But uh, over time, if you learn one, one word every day in practice, at the end of the year, you're going to have 300 
300 words if you uh, if you're just one word a day right okay chris so make sure your linkedin is all set properly make sure that you're getting recommendations from uh you know friends and acquaintances that that know you practice practice having an interview on uh, zoom and you know over the the phone and in person of course but i think a lot of them will be <laughs> online uh, right now well, what else can students do great so my my last recommendation for for students uh, that you can really take into consideration today is to be all in in your decision in other words don't compromise because it's a tough job market set a goal for okay the top 20 companies that you want to work for maybe it's a small company maybe a big company but set that goal decide where you want to work so um, just as an example, I've spoken to a lot of uh, international students from uh, China and India recently, and the question is, um, is it a good idea to stay in Canada given COVID-19, given the politics that are going on in North America right now? Is it good to have a family here, for example, in 10 years, 20 years? And my, my suggestion to them is, it doesn't matter which place you choose, China, India, or Canada, but be all in. Don't, don't be halfway in Canada, and when you run into a problem, go back to China. Yeah. So in other words, if you run into a problem here, you need to persevere and get through it, and that's how you move up, right? So uh, when you, uh, and the same goes for finding the, the uh, position that you want, um, eventually you're going to get a job offer that you kind of like, but not really, and you're going to be thinking, well, if I take this, it, if I don't take this, maybe I'll be out of work for another couple months. But that's not the right question you should be asking yourself. The right question should be, if I take this, what if the right one comes tomorrow? What if the jobs I'm going to apply for tomorrow will be the one I actually like? So don't compromise and be all in in your decisions, despite the challenges. Okay. We're talking with Chris Pereira. He is the Senior Director of Public Affairs uh, over at Huawei Canada about uh, what students in this job market right now can do to set themselves uh, apart. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Thanks so much, Mike. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here in studio. We're going to talk Apple stuff right now. Last week, Apple had big announcements at their developers conference. All new updates coming out for pretty well all of their devices. John, you've had a chance to install a lot of the beta software. And again, beta software is uh, what we call test software to uh, you know get developers and uh, some unwitting <laughs> consumers to, to try out uh, software before it goes live to the, the mass audience. Uh, what, what did you install? So what I did, uh, I guess the day of the, the keynote uh, was I installed iOS 14 on my iPhone 11 Pro. Yeah. I installed watchOS 7 on my uh, Apple Watch 5. And then a couple days ago, I installed Big Sur OS uh, 11 uh, on my MacBook Pro. It did not go smoothly. Yeah, let's talk about your laptop. I'm always scared about loading uh, beta operating system software on my, like, you know, if that's Windows or, or Mac. And of course, you, you're going to do it because you're techie and we love you for it because we can talk about it. <laughs> so what went wrong? And then we'll talk about so, what went right. Yeah. So the, the, the big problem that I had, and I think this, this, this is a problem I've actually had in the past. And I think this is something that people encounter quite often is when you do an operating system level upgrade, you should always back up your system. Uh, multiple times before you pull the trigger um, and make sure that you have enough uh, free disk space, like a lot of free disk space. Yes. The, the, the problem that I had last year, uh, it was around the same time when we were talking about it. Um, I installed the OS 10 beta at the time and um, 
what happened was I got stuck in what's called a boot loop. Uh, I installed it. Uh, it was going through the process of installation. And then it determined I didn't have enough free disk space. <laughs> and But you couldn't get out of the installation process. Oh. Um, and it took me a while. I mean, fortunately, I have other computers and other ways of <laughs> Googling. Um, I was able to eventually figure out how to uh, complete the installation. Um, but the problem that often happens, and this is how how Apple deals with your um, your disk space on your computer. Um, it has this notion of purgeable disk space and then regular disk space. So, for example, if you have like uh, a large file, you delete it, it's in your trash, uh, the, the file is uh, still recoverable, then you empty your trash, that file is no, lo- no longer there, no yeah. longer recoverable. But that space sometimes is still allocated Despite uh, what your finder would show you, it would yeah. say, hey, you've got, you know, 30 gigs free. Um, but in reality, you have 30 gigs minus that large file available. Because if you actually look at the uh, more info properties for your, your hard drive, it'll say whatever your available space is. But then in, in brackets, it'll show you purgeable space. And it's like, well, how do you get rid of that purgeable space to reclaim that free space that you actually have? Yeah, And that was the trick that I had. I, every time I went to install Big Sur, it says you don't have enough disk space. Despite me having like 60 or 70 gigs, 50 gigs of it was purgeable space. Oh, so and you're stuck. doesn't yeah. purge it. So what did you do? So <laughs> what I did is I took some video files that I had yeah. um, and some uh, game image files. Like I, I back up my Raspberry Pis and they can be quite large, as big as the SD card that I'm using. And the trick is to overwrite um, your, or try to copy stuff onto your hard drive so that it forces that purgeable space to become available. Got it. And, and so you do that, you have to find the right size of file as well, because you can't just like, well, there's, uh, you know, 30 gigs purgeable space. I just need a 30 gig file. No, <laughs> you need to find like a five gig file and copy it multiple times so that it will add up to 30 gigs and then it'll sort of uh, offset that space. So anyways, once I figured out the purgeable disk space problem, I rebooted and then I went back to the installer for Big Sur and everything worked fine. So, John, John, how would normal people <laughs> know how to do that? Well, the, the, and this is the, this is the thing. The, the betas are not intended for normal people. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're definitely intended for developers that should know what they're doing. And they also have the helpline of the um, support forums on Apple's developer side that aren't available to the public uh, to help troubleshoot this. And uh, there was a number of other people had the exact same problem. Um, and the, the I figured out the purgeable side myself, um, but again, it was just finding those breadcrumbs to the clues of that purgeable space was the problem because it doesn't display purgeable space by default. When you look, just look at the status of a, of your disk, it, you have to actually go into a deeper version of the available disk space. So, but that said, um, it's actually quite nice. Um, now that I've had it for about a week, I guess uh, it's actually pretty nice. The, one of the concerns that I had about it and was they've given it a fresh coat of paint. They've, they've rejigged all of the uh, Apple applications icons. So some stuff looks different. The designers got in there, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing that they've done um, is they've added a lot of, um, let's call it white space around all the navigation menus and things like that. Yeah. So when you're actually uh, looking around, things are 
roomier, I guess. Um, I personally prefer the more compact view because I want to show as much as possible in a short, in the smallest amount of space. Um, there doesn't seem to be any any way to change that functionality, uh, at least not yet. Um, but you know, it it is nice. It definitely feels updated. It feels a lot more like a mobile experience in a lot of ways like on the status bar along the top where you have the um the, the menu items your wi-fi and your clock and all that stuff like that it has uh, a very mobile feeling to it, like it's the top of your phone kind of look to it yeah and um but everything seems to be snappy and fast and and works fine so it's uh i don't know it's uh it's, it, I, I'm waiting for the next update, though, because typically that's when they start actually really rolling out some of the m- bigger changes and fixing a couple of little bugs. I've had a few little issues. My Chrome, for example, wouldn't launch properly. It would start up, all my tabs would load, and then it would crash. <laughs> and so then I made the decision, well, I, you know, I can just launch Chrome without the, without the tabs. Uh, I'm, like, I'm going to just try using Safari in its in Big Sur because it is a little bit different than the older versions of Safari. So, uh, and actually, it's been pretty good so far. Well, fantastic. We'll uh, we'll uh, keep following up with you to see how that journey goes. We are going to have to take a break. When we come back, it's mailbag time. We will be uh, looking at some of the questions we've got in from our listeners, readers, and viewers, and answering them on air. Stay tuned. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, Mike and John here. We are going to open up the Get Connected mailbag. We're taking uh, some of the questions that we get in from our listeners, viewers, readers. John, where can they email us? Well, if you visit getconnectedmedia.com and you go to the Contact Us tab, uh, there is going to be a feedback form that you can fill out and just let us know your questions, uh, and we'll try to get to them. Uh, we can't get to them all. We get quite a lot, actually, and but quite often what we'll do is we'll we'll bundle them. We, we have a number of people asking the same kinds of questions, so we'll try to address uh, the, 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 the question and the answer uh, for multiple people at the same time. Okay, let's jump right in there, John. Uh, This one here is from Melanie. She asks about setting time limits on the internet uh, for her kids. For example, kids get an hour to spend as they please, not a scheduled time, like from two to three o'clock. What are we suggesting? Well, this is something that uh, Stephen, one of our producers, uh, suggested uh, that he uses on on his Android side of or Google side of the world. But I actually found out that it's actually compatible with iOS and, and other uh, devices as well. It's called Family Link. It's from Google, and uh, it's really cool, kind of cool actually. It allows you to, with a family Google Gmail account, uh, you can log into a Chromebook. Uh, a tablet, um, a browser, um, uh, or pretty much anything, you know, that can be controlled by a Google account. And you have the ability as the parent to share that account with your kids, and then you can give them time windows. Uh, So you can set a a schedule time, or you can give them a block of time so that they have two hours a day, they can spend however they want, whenever they want. And this service will keep track of how much time they've actually used before they start locking them out of that account. So it's, it's pretty cool. I haven't found anything else that sort of works at a higher level. Like it won't control your Xbox and other things like that. But um, I think based on giving them, you know, a, the ability to use a browser in their Chromebook or a tablet or something like that. And the fact that it's iOS and Android compatible is pretty cool. And it's completely free. Uh, interesting too. Uh, it can also uh, track where the kids are. Uh, if yeah. you invoke yeah. that uh, feature. But yeah, this is one of the fewer ones I see that uh, can work on Android and uh, iPhone. So 
uh, I'm going to be checking this out a little more. My kids are kind of grown up now and they would uh, die before they would ever let me touch their phones to install this. But <laughs> I mean, for younger kids, this is kind of a good thing. I think. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing that, that the thing that surprised me was the fact that it is cross-platform. Okay. We're going to open up uh, another question here in the, uh, the mail bag. This one was from Philip. He asked, can you please review multimedia streaming devices? Please investigate options available to Canadians seeking to get around CRTC restrictions for cord cutters wanting to use American media streaming services like Hulu, Sling, HBO. So I guess there's a couple roads here for me, John. Uh, one, I don't know if he's talking about um, kind of pirated content uh, or if he wants to access uh, American services by using a, a VPN so that, uh, yeah. you know, the computers don't know where he's coming from because there's geo blocks and all this stuff. You can't just sign up for an HBO subscription down in the U.S. because they'll know you're from Canada. Well, and the other thing too is unless you have a US-based credit card, you probably exactly. can't even sign up for that either. Exactly. So, you know, from the, the pirated standpoint, uh, you know, that's something we can't get into. I mean, there's obviously uh, Google is your friend there if you want to go down that road. But I find it, it's a tough road. I mean, there are some apps and services and, and ways to to access that content, but it's just like a, an ever-changing game of whack-a-mole because that stuff is always getting shut down. And then you got to figure out to find the next source of that, uh, that content. Uh, so yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend it, especially nowadays. It's so easy to get this content. The streaming services up here in Canada are pretty darn good. And I know you want to get some of the American content. We all love the American content, but it's for the most part, I would say 99% of it's available in the Canadian services somewhere well, yeah and that's typically why a service like hulu isn't available here because crave or somebody else has those rights already and and we're actually seeing things like uh, peacock which is the the new mpc service that's coming uh, very soon to the u.s is going to be available on chorus this radio network's parent company um uh, it's going to be available through them so there is ways to get that for cord cutters um there is no one uh, one service to rule them all unfortunately because of the way the rights and restrictions and all that kind of stuff works but uh, and as we've talked many times uh, especially on the app show is quite often like graham he's always subscribing to every new service and you can have you can actually be paying more than your cable for all these services <laughs> if you add them all up right so cable never uh, looks so good eh <laughs> No, well, and that's just it. It just really depends on what kind of content you're interested in. Um, you know, having the the, the cable-based uh, services like HBO versus the uh, the TV channel-based stuff like uh, NBC and CBS and those types of contents. Uh, you know, it just depends on what you're actually looking for. It is getting confusing, though, don't you think, John? Like, if you, I mean, it, there's so many streams, especially in Canada. Yeah, um, I think it's a lot clearer in the u.s because there's basically a lot of these services are also bundled with your um internet service provider or or your your even your cable company in some cases uh give you these these add-ons and you know we seem telus gives you uh access to crave and things like that so um it's yeah it, it is a problem and like you said it's this constantly moving goalpost and whack-a-mole in one some companies like Apple, if you've got an Apple TV, they're trying to amalgamate all that content in, in one interface. Like they'll show you all yeah. the different shows happening, uh, but they'll obviously link off to where the, that is, whether that's Netflix or, or wherever, but it, it's still confusing, you know? And then, you know, we've got companies like Amazon. Uh, they've got services that you can subscribe through, through Amazon. For example, Slack TV, which is 
uh, a bunch of chorus stations like Teletoon and National Geographic and uh, and Global and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's a little challenging. Is that stacked or Slack? Stacked. I, can, <laughs> I think stacked. Isn't it? Stack TV. Yeah, stacked. Yeah, yeah. It's a stack yeah. of channels. Uh, yeah. But you know what? I think we're going to do a, a, a show on that uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks just to uh, kind of help the listeners understand where they can get their different channels and, and shows and maybe just uh, do a, a price comparison, like add up all the subscriptions. Yeah. And see how that compares. We'll just look, at, look at Graham's bill. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. We, we did kind of a back of the napkin on that. And uh, Graham was paying a lot of money for all yeah, the. He should just get cable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. We, uh, <laughs> we've had a great show, but we still have a, a bit more to talk about on today's program. Don't forget to visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got our uh, monthly contest going on up there. All you have to do to enter the contests, and it's just one time, is subscribe to our newsletter. And you are entered to win automatically all of them. And we're giving away thousands of dollars in prizes uh, this year. And we've got lots of great blogs, articles, how-tos, reviews uh, up on our website, including uh, a lot of great uh, videos. And, of course, the podcasts of this show and our sister show, The App Show. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Just a bit of time left. Mike and John here. John, I just got uh, uh, an email from the Smart Glasses Company. Do you remember those smart glasses I got? North. North. These were glasses that have like a little heads up display in one of the lenses that would give me directions. And it's got Amazon Alexa built in. I could uh, order an Uber with it and see where the Uber was coming from. It was like a dream of the future. And I actually. But how often did you actually wear them? <laughs> <laughs> well, they were kind of a, you know, a different look. <laughs> <laughs> so so to speak. I mean, for smart glasses, they were they're pretty cool. Like compare, you've got the old Google Glass, right? Yeah. Like these these ones uh, from North uh, were they called Focals? Focals, yeah. Yeah. They look like kind of normal glasses. I mean, they were a li- little bit bigger. People could always tell that there was something a little off about, about them. Yeah. Well, you were a little Mister Magoo in them too. <laughs> <laughs> you you could only get them fitted at their location. So you either had to be in Toronto or down in Brooklyn, New York. And these stores were beautiful, but they were empty. There there was never anyone in them. Anyway, they announced this week that they have been purchased by Google and uh, they're getting out of the glasses. Google's obviously using the technology, but uh, they're not going to be supporting the smart glasses anymore. So if you had purchased a pair, I don't think there was a lot of you out there. Uh, you can apply for a refund, but uh, other than that, they're not coming out with any new ones. Maybe Google will in some form, but... Yeah, and even Google Glass has sort of morphed into more of a, an industrial slash enterprise level product as opposed to something for, for, for the consumer. Yeah, I wasn't, John, to be honest, I wasn't surprised, you know, just knowing how many people were going through those stores, uh, which I never saw anyone in there other than me. Um. <laughs> well, but that was the problem though is you had to physically go there to get fitted and, and scanned and all that kind of stuff they did change a little bit later on where you could actually just use an app to scan your face but even then you don't need to scan your face for glasses no like like it's just kind of like if it's that important that your 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 uh your smart glasses fit your face perfectly or it's not going to work that might be a clue that's all the time we have left. I want to thank everyone that helps put the show together, including our producer, Christina, and the rest of the gang uh, back at the ranch. We'll see you again next time.